this is Catherine O'Connell and welcome to Lawyer On Air. If you are looking for inspirational stories about women in law, then this is the podcast for you. Join me and my lawyer ladies as we enjoy a glass of wine after a hard day at work and talk about the world of women in law. It's my passion to share stories of amazing legal ladies who are working as in-house legal counsel, who have law firm roles, who are leading on boards and who are doing law differently. From time to time, I will also invite special guests on the show to share their insights on legal recruiting and tips for getting hired as a successful lawyer in Japan. I hope you will enjoy getting to know these amazing women who I am so proud to share a profession with. I'm glad you're here and I hope you enjoy the show. Hi everyone, welcome to another episode of the Lawyer On Air podcast. In this podcast episode, I share with you another diverse story of a woman lawyer working in the law. I'm Catherine, the host of the show, and I'm based in Tokyo for 20 years, and I love helping unlock the wisdom of the stories that women lawyers never tell. What I've learned from my career in law so far is you are valuable and you should be seen and show off what you have been doing to assist your clients. Those are the words of Akio Inoko Hewitt, who is my special guest today on the Lawyer On Air podcast. I can tell you this is so true because Akio has been a top fan of the podcast in the background I didn't even know. She has been listening to over 20 guests and shared their insights and has taken the next step to actually connect with many of them for one-on-one conversations to deepen human relations. And when I invited Akio to come on the show, she told me she jumped up out of her seat and ran to her husband to tell him that her favorite podcaster had just asked her to be a guest on the show. That warmed my heart so much and probably more than Akio could ever know. Uh, So it's really glorious. And with that warm spirit, we had this conversation today. Akio is based in the US in Atlanta, Georgia, and she's a bilingual and double licensed attorney. This year, she committed to focus on personal branding. And we talk about this a lot during the episode. And there are some pretty good mic drop moments, so watch out. Akio graduated from Tokyo University of Foreign Studies and she earned her JD at Keio Law School. And then she passed the bar exam after continuing study in Kushiro Hokkaido. She went over to the States and did an LLM and then took the Georgia bar exam. She's currently working with a law firm, Smith, Gambrill and Russell, and she helps Japanese companies come into the US and supports them in all their corporate matters. She's a passionate traveler and loves visiting restaurants with her friends and finding new culinary discoveries. You can check out all of Akio's full bio in the show notes. Well, on this episode, Akio shares how showing up for other people on LinkedIn is the key to self-branding. And she shares a fabulous story of how she put that in action, which led to her coming on this show with me. She also shares how treating clients as equals and not looking down on them is very key to working successfully as an empathetic and client-centric lawyer. Acting in this way has enabled Akio to ask her clients for advice and you can hear what she did in order to come on this podcast when she asked a client for advice. 
You'll also hear Akio's super practical advice for young lawyers, and she shares a really difficult challenge she faced that was a defining moment in her life. And that has really and truly been a challenge that she has overcome. And she tells us that overcoming those challenges is really where we find success. It's only through that tough stuff that we grow as human beings. And finally, you'll hear Akio share her hot tips on food and travel in Japan. And guess what? She actually moves me to tears. So you'll have to have the tissues handy as you settle down to listen to this episode. Let's get into it. Hi, Akio, and welcome to the show. Hi, Catherine. Thank you so much for having me today. I am so excited. Yes, I'm so excited too. Here we are um, finally talking together. And as you know, because you are a big fan of the show, we have a favorite question to ask at the very beginning. And that is if we were meeting up in person. So when you come back here to Japan, when you visit next, where will we go? Do you have a favorite wine bar or restaurant that you love to go to? And what would you choose off the menu today? Yes, um, I would love to go to an Italian restaurant in Ginza with you. On the ninth floor of Bulugari building,、uh, there is a restaurant called Bulugari Il Ristorante Luca Fantin. And my mother and I love to go there, so I'd love to go there with you. Oh, sounds great. You know, I think that building, I'm trying to recall, but I think I've Been there many years ago for a Christmas party, and、mm. uh, Santa Claus appeared. And I think I sat on his knee. <laughs> <laughs> I have a photo of that. I'm pretty sure it's the same building because I thought, wow, Bulgari, how could I possibly come to a place like this at that、mm-hmm. time? I'd love to go there. What would you choose to drink there? What do you have when you're there with your mum? I know both of us love sparkling wine, so I love to start with sparkling wine. And they have a fabulous wine pairing option. So we can enjoy different kinds of wine along with delicious course meal. Oh, I'm in. Okay. It's a definite <laughs> date when you're back here. Let's go there. And I'd love to meet your mum if she's available too. Let's try that. Oh, yeah. That would be great. Awesome. Well, you know, the next question too, and it's going back to your childhood. And it's a question I ask because I love. The fact that even though we're adults now, we actually still contain the spirit of the child within us. And it's quite amazing when you hear people say what they wanted to be when they were a child and how it's actually turned out because it's quite similar. So, for you, Akio, if you think back to when you were a child or even like a young adult, what careers were you thinking of and dreaming of? Actually, I wanted to become a lawyer probably. By the age of five. No, really? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Tell me more about that. How do you know you want to be a lawyer when you're five? Goodness. Well, my mom is a child psychiatrist and my dad、um, is a lawyer. So when I was a child, I was asked, which one would you like to be, doctor or lawyer? <laughs> so I always answered, hmm, lawyer. And so I guess I can say I wanted to become a lawyer, but I'm not sure if I understood what the occupation is. And by the time I got eight or nine, 
my dad is a solo practitioner, so he took me to different gatherings for lunch or dinner or study group sessions while my mom had to work. And I remember that his client came to me and told me how much they appreciate my dad uh, for his guidance and expertise. And I guess his comment, his client's comments really impressed me as a child. And I thought, well, I've been saying that I like to become a lawyer, but if the lawyer is someone who can help clients and who can be helpful and be appreciated, that would be great. And so I kept my dream to become a lawyer for a long time. Oh, my goodness. You know, that's just amazing that you've got clients of your dad coming up to you saying that. You couldn't forget that. It must have been really impactful. Do you remember what kinds of things they said about your dad then? They said my dad is very, very fair huh. and he doesn't look down as a lawyer and he just serve the clients um, not looking down. So I thought, oh, that's that's good and yeah. I like to become a lawyer like him. Yeah, that is such perfect, perfect feedback and it's absolutely where we are. A lot of people look up to us, but mm -hmm. I think we hear often about servant leadership and it's actually we are the ones who are looking up to our clients. And I love that that was how they described him, that he was a person who was a lawyer who didn't look down and he served. And it's absolutely that. If you haven't read that book about servant leadership, it's really a great mm -hmm. one. Is your dad still yeah, around? Yeah, I'd love to read that book. Yeah. Is yes, that... yes. He's still um, having his uh, solo practice law firm. That's fantastic. Is your dad a kind of mentor for you, do you think? Absolutely. He's my, he and my mom are just fantastic mentors. It must have been really amazing too for your mom as a child psychiatrist to have brought you up and the skills that she used as her profession towards her children and her family. Is that right? Mm -hmm. Yes, absolutely. They are great mentors. Wow, amazing. Well, coming from then and there, I guess your mum was, oh, not going to be what I am, but following in your father's footsteps. That is really fantastic. So tell me then what happened. You, you studied in Japan first and went to university here. How about yes. that? And then you and then you moved to, I think, further north in Japan for studies and to the States. So tell us a little bit more about that time in your life and your decision to actually go and do law. So I went to Tokyo University of Foreign Studies. It's called Tokyo Gaikoku Daigaku in Japanese. And during undergrad, I didn't study law. And it's because my dad's advice it was in 2005, and that's right after when law school system had established in Japan. So his advice was, if you like to become an international lawyer, you have to go to law school anyway. So what about study something very international in undergrad and go to law school after that? So I thought it was a great idea and I follow his advice. And how did that go? What happened then? And then I studied actually Czech language, Czech Republic, and 
also Eastern European studies and international human rights law. So I, I truly, truly enjoy my time in Tokyo, Kaikoku Daigaku, um, in my college days. It was fantastic. Yeah, well, I would guess that a lot of people would choose to study English, and you've chosen Czech. Yes. <laughs> That's very curious. Why? So in that university, they have English major, French major, Spanish major, Russian major, and they have different majors. And I picked Czech um, just because I was so into Paris co collection, Milan collection, and found that there are so many beautiful people in Eastern Europe. And I just wanted to visit there, learn their language, and just wanted to spend time in that region. And I mm. actually did um, oh, over the summer. Good. I went to summer school in Czech Republic and studied Czech language. Would you have gone there if you hadn't studied the Czech language, do you think? I might have, but I wouldn't have stayed as long as I did, or I didn't go to summer school. Yeah. yeah, so you had the language was really an incentive to go there and look at that one of your dreams. And I know you love traveling. So how long did you end up spending there? I was there two or three summers. So oh. in total, maybe several months during my undergrad. Right. So during your undergrad, you chose to go back to Czech and keep studying in the, the summer school there. Mm -hmm. Amazing. Well done. Okay, so then what happened next? You were doing your undergrad and you finished. And so what happened? I went to KL Law School for a JD degree, the Juris Doctor de degree. Yes. And why did you choose KO? KO is such a prestigious private school. And actually, I got full scholarship, like tuition exemption scholarship and I was very grateful for that. So I chose KO to study law. Fantastic. And the scholarship is because you're basically an overseas student, even though you're Japanese by nationality. I, well, how does that happen? Actually, I was really, probably I was really good at the essay because the theme of the essay was something I studied as an international human rights seminar. So I was very lucky. Mm, all right. That's cool. And then you finished KO. And what happened after that? So I passed the bar exam and I was able to choose anywhere in Japan to have legal trainings. And I picked Kushiro Hokkaido and I moved there and spent about eight months for legal training. Do you have a connection to Hokkaido? So during the course of study, I joined non-governmental organization to assist indigenous peoples in Japan. There are two indigenous peoples, one in Hokkaido, Ainu people, and what another one in Okinawa, Ryukyu peoples. So during the course of the activities 
in that organization, I got to go to United Nations Conference on the Rights of Indigenous Peoples with Ainu people and help them make statements for the meeting of the, the UN conference. So I, I knew some Ainu people there, and I, I really wanted to see how living in, in Hokkaido looked like, and I wanted to visit them and just listen to what they what they think beyond our connection um, by attending UN conference together. Okay, so UN conference in, <laughs> in, at the UN? Yes, in Geneva. No uh, way, to... really? Mm -hmm. It was a great experience. Wow, that is fantastic. And I just so love that you chose to do your studies you know, at Kushiro in Hokkaido in order to also be connecting with and experiencing the same environment as the people of Ainu who were the people that you were very interested in, right, in progressing and advancing. Yes, absolutely. It was great experience. It was the coldest winter in my life, but it was overall very good experience. Coldest winter and warmest experience, maybe. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I love what <laughs> I love wow. what you say. How did that experience change you or impact you? I think my reason to study law is to protect vulnerable people, people who are underrepresented, people who need our like legal protection. And that has been my passion to study law. So it just strengthened my reason to study law and and work with them and i i still attend meetings of the same organization they have zoom meeting and um, some people are in in japan some people are in australia and i am in in the us but they find a time that everyone can get together monthly and i am grateful that i have a chance to connect with them still. That's really incredible. And that's the UN organization you were speaking about. Yes, that's um, actually the name of the organization is uh, Shimin Gaiko Center. And it's based in Tokyo. And, but that's an organization to help indigenous peoples to speak up at the UN conference. I didn't even know that kind of place existed that is absolutely incredible that there's that support mechanism mm -hmm. and organization to help and that not only that you did it just when you were at Kushiro but you continued and are continuing doing it with your passion obviously showing to protect vulnerable people and continue to help them and I know you also through your current work you are supporting Japanese startup companies do their business in the U.S. and that's yeah. probably not an unusual but I think how how you do it is because you work through government agency programs uh, and in particular I noticed in the information you sent me that you are helping a women's startup program uh, mm -hmm. I think it's called APT Women which is funded by the Tokyo Metropolitan Government this seems to tie in really nicely with what you've just told us about the Shimingai Call Center tell me more yes. about that part of your work that you're doing now that connects into supporting women as well. Yeah, absolutely. I work for um, Japanese startup companies. You know, they need our guidance 
and they need our support more than large corporations. And I feel very honored and pleased to help them and empower them to come to the United States and do their business and explore their products or technologies or services in a huge market in the United States. And I feel that not only providing legal assistance, but I feel like I'm empowering them and to be successful in the United States. And so I am very thankful. And I think Catherine, I really didn't connect my work at Shimingaiko Center and my other work to assist startup companies from Japan. But I think my theme is to help people like be helpful and be be of help and I think that's that's my theme of my life and through practicing law I feel like I'm doing what I want it to do. Mm. And I think a lot of people say they want to help people but you've put it more actively by saying you want to be helpful and be of help. I mean we are human beings. I've heard this quite often is that being something doing something is more important than just saying i want to help people so it sounds to me like you're really putting that into action and in some way it does tie in because women are perhaps seen as a vulnerable section of society and so you're doing absolutely a tie in there with the shimingai court center and the work that you do uh, with these different groups and I know there's several other ones but I wanted to pick that one out in particular because I don't think many people would know in Tokyo or in Japan about the women's startup program that is funded right by the metropolitan government and so it's really interesting for them to look into that I think yes um, and thank you for sharing that and I know your current role jumping a little bit here but I believe you got this role that you're with now with your law firm through networking yes right <laughs> tell me about that story how do you get a job through networking so after i moved to the united states i was in alabama and we as a family moved to georgia so that i can attend law school in atlanta georgia and i started llm program at emory law school in atlanta and as soon as I started, I was told that it is very difficult to get a job in a big law firm. The reason is that LLM is just one-year program for foreign attorneys, and we don't have summer as a law student. So all big law firms have summer programs and recruit through summer programs, so we will miss the chance. So a person in Career Center said the only way to get a job is through networking. So as soon as I heard that advice, I started going to networking events, seminars, panel discussions, any events that were open for law students. And I also went to a website of the Japanese Chamber of Commerce of Georgia and found a public event at a Japanese language school. And I went to that seminar, of course, and I met a Japanese lawyer there who was practicing law in Atlanta. 
at a big law firm. So I was like, wow, that that's my target lawyer. And I knew him from the website, but I really didn't know I would be able to meet him in person very naturally in that seminar. So after the seminar, I went to him and I introduced myself very politely and told him that I was looking for a job in Atlanta and I have family here. I settle here. So I'd love to work somewhere in Atlanta. And he invited me for lunch and and after lunch meetings for a couple of times, he asked me if I was interested in working with him during winter break as a law clerk. And of course, my answer was absolutely yes. And that's how I got a job. So his, the advice I got at the beginning of law school was, was correct. I went to networking events and I got a job. That is such a great story. Right. There are different ways to get a job, even if you aren't doing the summer as a, a law student and, and going into those summer clerking jobs that the big law firms have. Look what you did. You went off and joined these panels, seminars, listening to people, and then the Chamber of Commerce and found your target lawyer. Yeah, that's just great. <laughs> Why do you think he had you for lunch a few times? Do you think he was trying to almost interview you during those? Because he knew perhaps that you could do law. Do you think he may have been trying to find out a bit more about you, your character, how you think, what drives you, those sorts of things? Yes. So he told me after I you know, joined his team and I started working for him, the main reason that he said he thought oh, that's that's her, I want to work with her, was that during the lunch meeting, um, he told me that he would go to Nagoya for his cousin's wedding the next week or next month. And as soon as I heard that, I called my, my dad and said, hey, I really need your help. <laughs> And I knew that he loves ramen. So I sent a list of ramen places that, you know, my my dad and his friends would recommend in Nagoya. And he said that that was the reason that he decided to hire me. Very helpful, very thoughtful. And if he if I could do that to him, he said I could do that to to the clients. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> I am stunned. I think that is amazing how you can have that very kind gesture to someone really, you know, with no strings attached. Just say, look, these are some great places and your father helped you out there too. But that would be so significant as a kind gesture that you went that far it's a simple act, but it's also thinking about that and going that far to actually do it and think about doing it. Amazing. Well done. What great advice for people who are listening, you know, to take that step. And I know too that through your networking and through being curious as you are, you also asked a client in the last couple of days to give you some advice about coming on this podcast. 
And I think that's also amazing that you took another extra step there. Can you tell me about that? Because I, I love that story too. Yes. So, you know, you kindly asked me to to appear on your podcast and I was so thrilled and excited, but at the same time nervous. So I asked a client of ours, um, his name is Ramona Houston. She's a consultant of diversity and inclusion. And I asked her for, for advice and she gave me great three pieces of advice. And the first one is enjoy your conversation with, with the host. And the second one is keep your answer not too long, but not too short for the listeners to enjoy the conversation. And the third and last and probably the biggest advice was be yourself, just be you. And she encouraged me so much. And I was very, very grateful for that advice. Brilliant. I will shout out to Ramona for that wonderful advice. And uh, I do hope you are enjoying it. And you're certainly doing very well on points two and three, being yourself and uh, keeping your answers and uh, very nice and succinct, but also not too long, not too short. So you're doing fine. Don't worry. What great oh, advice. That's fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> really great advice for being on a podcast, because uh, I think she also said, you know, you're not doing a panel discussion or you're not presenting a keynote speech you so therefore you you should be in those sorts of ways and in, in the way that you speak today right yes yes oh lovely okay so you joined this wonderful law firm with this fantastic lawyer and is that the same place you're at now or have you moved to a different firm i've been with the same firm since i graduated from law school why have you stayed I love the people I work with. I work with excellent attorneys throughout the firm. And our firm is called Smith, Gambin Russell. And we have about 400 attorneys in different offices across the nation. And I'm a member of Japan practice team. And we have actually big international team. We have a German team, Israeli team, and China team. And we we assist foreign clients doing business in the US. And many attorneys, even American attorneys, they are very familiar with foreign clients' questions and they do not get frustrated with with the language barriers. Um so I um enjoying working with all of the attorneys, fantastic attorneys at my firm. Yeah, it's about that, isn't it? Because you spend so much time of your one whole day at your workplace or working. So it's really important to have people around you who are great to work with. What do you love about your work like that, that you find really satisfying and rewarding? Does it link back then into that helping vulnerable people? Is that what I'm hearing from you with your work? That you love? Yes. Mm. So um, I'm in Japan practice team and we assist clients, um, all matters of corporate law, um, from just general corporate work, M&A, employment and compliance work for Japanese clients and Japanese expats, like CEO of 
U.S. subsidiaries, they are great businessmen, but they're not necessarily no legal terms and system in the United States. So I love assisting them and just explain to them what legal structure, like laws and regulation are in the United States and how we can solve the issues they have. And whenever clients say, thank you so much, it was very clear and easy to understand and we can keep moving forward. And that's the most rewarding moment of my, my work. Wonderful. Yes. And you probably have come across some challenges too, because not every career is without some twists and turns and bumps on the road. Is there any, just one challenge that you overcame that you'd like to share? I really cannot think of any challenges. (laughs) I don't know why. You're having too much fun. I think I'm having too much fun. I I really cannot think of anything that's that's okay too. And I think that's great. Um, And I think (laughs) the point there is that perhaps it's your joyful approach to the way you're doing your work, right? So, what then, out of the things that you've said that you love doing, is there one highlight? that you think you can call on that really where you said something or did something, you were being helpful, being of help to somebody, and it was a highlight for you? So maybe not just one event, but I love compliance work. For example, environmental law, custom and trade law, healthcare law, which are very, very complex and hard to understand. And even lawyers, in a different field, find it difficult to to understand such laws and regulations that clients need to comply with. And I feel that if I understand the concept and I work with attorneys specialized in those fields and work on compliance projects together for Japanese clients and just complete the project, I feel amazing. And I I feel that I was able to assist the client and I was helpful. That's the piece of work that I most enjoy, I guess. And when you feel that way, is it because you know yourself inside that you did that job really, really well? And it's even if you don't hear it from the client that you feel that way? Yeah, most of the time clients do say, thank you so much. It, it has been a pleasure to work with, with you. So I feel appreciated. That's really fantastic. And I know that you are this year focusing a lot on personal branding. And when you told me about this before we recorded today, mm-hmm. I was so excited to talk about personal branding with you because I can see it in your profile on LinkedIn and how you interact with people and So I wanted you to tell us a little bit more about that idea of personal branding, why you've decided to focus on that for this second half year and Mm -hmm. a little bit more about that area. Can you go into that for me? And I know you also mentioned a 15 minute rule that you have, and I wanted you to share that because I think that is superb. Yeah, absolutely. So my New Year's resolution for this year was to be active on LinkedIn. Before that, I never posted anything on LinkedIn. 
And quite so common, quite common by lots of lawyers, don't you worry. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so you decided to make a change. Yes. But I thought it was quite difficult to just get started and say, you know, share articles that I thought I was interested in. So I post on New Year's Day or soon after that, I said, Happy New Year. My New Year resolution is to be more active on LinkedIn. So that's how I got started. And then I started sharing all the events I organized, I went or I was, I attended. And then it has been pretty successful. And so looking at the second half of 2023, I was listening to your podcast a lot these days. And you always ask your guests, like, what is your theme for 2023? And I was thinking myself, so what's my goal or theme for this year? And so I chose self-branding as a theme for the second half of 2023. And coincidentally, Women in Law Japan did a wonderful workshop by Sarah. And I joined her workshop and that was the great way to close the the last day of first half of 2023 and she gave me such insightful advice it really like aha moment to me so I really wanted to share my experience by attending that workshop and I got connected with her when I registered when I signed up for the workshop, I started following her and then she sent me connection request and we started chatting. And so I followed her on uh, LinkedIn and she said, most of the posts that go viral, the author just take 15 minutes of the time. So I thought after her very, very insightful workshop, okay, I will take 15 minutes to show how much I learned from that workshop and looks like it made her day and I was thrilled and I was amazed by her comments and that's how I got your attention to ask me to join the podcast so it has been just uh, wonderful. (laughs) Yeah I think you've just given the proof of the magic of LinkedIn and Mm -hmm. Underneath that, the magic of connecting with people. And indeed, Sarah Uis, a legal design guru, did the workshop. And a lot of people wait until after a workshop to connect with someone. But you went ahead and you connected with her beforehand and got to know her. So when you joined that workshop online from the States, when we held it in the evening in Japan time, you already kind of knew her. So you felt like you were meeting up with somebody you already had a connection with. Correct? Yes, I was very, very interested in her workshop. And I just wanted to follow her. And I wanted to send connection requests after the workshop. But thanks to her reaching out to me, I was able to connect with her and learn from her posts. And I was very, very excited how I can like what I can learn from the workshop. And it was 530 in the morning in the US. So it was, uh, I set alarm clock at 4.30 and woke up at 4.30, but I was very excited and I believed it worth it and it actually did worth it. 
Fantastic. 5.30 a.m. There you go. That's dedication. And <laughs> afterwards, indeed, you wrote this fantastic summary, three quick points about the webinar, about the workshop that you loved. And I saw that. It came up on my feed. I saw that and I went, ha, huh, here's someone who really enjoyed the webinar, enjoyed the workshop, but also took the time to actually tell the person who presented the workshop what you got from it and what you felt. And I know that one of Sarah's reactions to that was this is the best, the best feedback I've ever had on one of my workshops. Uh, and Sarah runs a lots of workshops. And so that is incredible. And so I think you've really made a difference to Sarah. And then I was curious about what you wrote. So I started to write my interpretation of what you'd written in a mm -hmm. slightly different way, but I wrote down my comments. And then I felt at that time, Akio is cool. I want to have her on the show. And I knew that you would tell us uh, so much more about yourself and the importance of what you're doing right now every single day with the way you approach your life and your work. And look what happened. So through that 15 minute rule of approach, you got on and talked about Sarah's post. I saw it. I interacted with you and I invited you on this podcast. Yes, I actually became a huge fan of you and your podcast. <laughs> and I was dreaming myself maybe in several years when I'm <laughs> little bit more senior and I would like to reach out to her and say you know hey I'm Akio and you know I just wanted to be on the show someday and within few few weeks you know I got to yeah invited and I was just I couldn't believe it I was jump up <laughs> and rush to my husband say like guess what <laughs> So, yeah, to be on the show today is just fantastic. And I, I just can't believe it still. <laughs> well, it's true. And you so warm my heart with all of that, honestly. And, you know, it just made such a impact on me that I, I knew you would be brilliant. And I'm so glad that you're here to actually empower others to, to ask for what you want. Mm -hmm. Right. That is exactly what well, I guess you put it out in the universe. You were thinking, I really want to be on this podcast, but you made it so attractive that I had no choice but to ask you to come <laughs> on the show. But what does all of this tell you about the importance of not hesitating, right? But there are so many people who do hesitate, and especially women, to brand themselves, do this, uh, as you called it, the, the self-branding. There are people who hesitate and maybe they think it's too arrogant or what have I got to say? What would you say to those people to encourage them? I would say that you are valuable and you should be seen and recognized and just show off what you can do. Um, show off what you've been doing for clients and just take 15 minutes of your time and write what you do and what you can be assistance of with your expertise and professional area that you are in. That would be my advice. Great advice. And I'm going to ask you one more big question mm -hmm. is for you to finish a sentence for me. The most important thing I have learned from my career in law so far 
is? I think the most important thing I have learned from my career so far is keep being a nice person is not not bad. And you can be yourself and you can be successful. Just looking at you, Catherine, you are such a wonderful attorney and with a big heart and empathy. And you are such a sweet and nice person and you are successful. So I became a huge fan of you because I think you are proof of it's okay to be a nice person and be successful. Yeah, that's that's what I think. <laughs> wow, that question wasn't meant to turn into a, a recommendation of Catherine, but I actually do agree with you in that we can be nice, pleasant, kind, and still be good lawyers. And that yes. a lot of what we see in media or in TV programs or on Netflix or somewhere else out there is perhaps a little true, but often it's very much based on court dramas and people being antagonistic and aggressive to each other. And that as human beings never really gets us far. And I've consistently felt and found that showing heart and empathy has been a big key to success. Mm -hmm. But I didn't know it at the time, and I didn't know that that was what I was doing. It just mm -hmm. was something that happened. And I have to say, I wasn't always an empathetic uh, listener to some of the people who were my direct reports when I was in companies, and I feel mm -hmm. for them now. But I've learned from those mistakes, right, that if you're not empathetic to others, that usually it will pull you down in some way because people notice. They may not remember what you said to them in the legal advice, but they'll certainly mm -hmm. remember how you treated them and how you made them feel. Yeah, absolutely. And so that's that's where I'm at. I love that. Thank you so much for it. You're a young lawyer, and I know you'll probably have a lot of advice that you could give to people who are just behind you coming up the ranks. So please do tell us your advice for any young people or young lawyers. Yeah, absolutely. I would like to share a story behind my advice first. So when I was in junior high school, um, called middle school in the United States, I had a career counseling session with my teacher. And the teacher said, well, with your current grades, it will be very difficult to become an international lawyer. So you have to study harder. And I think he wanted to encourage me to study harder, but it just, his comments really bothered me. So I came home, I got home and I told my mom about it. And she said, well, you are only 14 years old and well, you haven't studied law yet and you haven't taken the bar exam. And after you do all that and you failed the bar exam multiple times, then let's talk about other career options, but nothing really should stop you from pursuing your dream. And let's not allow this teacher to decide your future. 
And that advice really stay on me until this day. And so what I would love to give advice to young people would be, unless you take actions and try, you will never know the results or outcomes. And I was not, you know, top A student, but I decided to go to law school. I decided to take the bar exam and I became a lawyer. But if some of the young people who think, oh, becoming a lawyer is too risky, or my parents say, you know, I should go to easier route, or I, I'm not good enough or smart enough, intelligent enough to become a lawyer. And a part of yourself still think, I want to become a lawyer. And just, I want you to pursue that passion and that dream. And the dream will come true if you work hard enough. And even if you don't pass the bar exam, the legal education you had is so valuable and you will be able to contribute to companies or people by using your legal knowledge and experience um, the rest of your life. So a lot of people just so discouraged to go to follow their passion. So I, I like to tell them that's you know, just go for it. <laughs> Until you fail, you never know. That is such beautiful advice. I know the teacher probably meant well, but as adults, talking to 14-year-olds, 13-year-olds, 10-year-olds, 20-year-olds, we have such a responsibility to encourage and not discourage. Mm -hmm. We have such a responsibility to raise people up and not pull them down. We have Absolutely. such a responsibility to help people dream, not suffocate their dreams. And so I absolutely endorse what you said. I love what you said. And I hope that others too, you know, if they have even a small part, as you said, of a dream to be a lawyer, that not to be discouraged and to do what you want to do, it will lead to so much joy. Rather do it and not pass as if, like your mum said, if that's the case, or look what happened and you pass and you become a very empathetic lawyer who loves her everyday life mm -hmm. uh, in this work. Fantastic. Thank you so much for that. We have had a fantastic conversation. I feel like we could talk about so much more. Is there anything else, Akio, that you would like to talk about that we didn't mention or re-emphasize that we did talk about? So the discussion and the experience that I shared until now has been, you know, I went to law school, you know, passed the Japanese bar, went to U.S. law school, uh, passed the Georgia bar and became an, an attorney in a big law firm. It has been very, very successful, it sounds like, but I actually like to share my experience that I had identity crisis just so it's just balance out mm. who I really am and so I moved to the United States right after I completed legal training and I moved to a small town in Alabama 
and I was waiting for green cards. So I didn't have work authorization and I became a mom a month after I moved to the United States. So the the beginning of parenthood and my life in the US started and with my legal education and Japanese lawyer's license didn't matter at all in a small town in Alabama and it was quite shocking and I was nobody else other than someone's mom or someone's wife. I had such a big identity crisis in Alabama and I had really hard time there, but I think looking back, I gained very valuable experience as a stay-at-home mom and firsthand I experienced identity struggles that stay-at-home parents have and thanks to that experience and struggles I had in Alabama, I can relate to and empathize with so many people who had to move to different places for personal reasons and they have to sometimes compromise their career. And I can relate to so many wives of expats and I can become great friends because thanks to the experience that I had in Alabama. Yeah, so I wanted to share my little bit downside (laughs) experience just to balance out to show who I really am. Thank you for sharing that and I know it's difficult to have done that and the point I think also you're making is that we all have the downsides and nothing Mm -hmm. is ever shiny and bright and sparkling all the time and in our lives the really really good experiences come from those tough times. Yeah, absolutely. I I loved that you shared your hard times in your podcast. So I really wanted to share my downtime uh, during this podcast as well. Yeah, I've shared recently one big issue that happened to me. Mm-hmm. And it's just a couple of episodes back from this one. And that was hard to experience and hard to What I mean by hard to experience is hard to experience telling that story. But I found Mm -hmm. as I told it how much relief I got and also how much joy I got from telling it because I realize I'm not the person that someone told me I was at that time. Mm -hmm. And that's why, you know, when you talked about your teacher just now, I was thinking, yeah, your teacher told you, you you couldn't be a lawyer if you didn't, an international lawyer, if you didn't do more study. And, you know, the person who told me I couldn't be a leader, I wasn't a leader or wasn't strategic. I think they have their idea and they mean well, but somehow it comes out a little bit wonky and Mm -hmm. they may have their impression of what leader or what strategic means in their own definition, but it might be different to how people can be leaders and how they can be strategic because I certainly think. Yes. And yeah, it's different, right? Yeah. That's that episode is my favorite. I was totally moved and I was so thankful for your courage to share that as an attorney as successful as you to share that story. It just meant a lot to me and I became a bigger fan of you after I listened to that episode and I think a lot of young lawyers or even not 
non-lawyers who listen to your podcast, uh, you really empower people. You can have downtime and you can learn from your bitter experience and you can bounce back and become a better person. And thank you for sharing your story. Well, I'm just about to put the camera on my, my one, not yours. You don't need to, but I wanted you to see how I've teared up from what you just said. That means a lot to me that you said that because here it comes down my cheek. People see you as you are right now, but they don't know what you've been through up to there. And they can see you as a confident or experienced or successful professional, whatever they see as successful in their own definition. But it's usually the hard stuff that we've gone through that makes you who you are. And I have more to tell on those stories. Mm -hmm. I feel I got through the first part to tell that first story. Mm -hmm. There's a few others that are similar, but a bit different. And so they're to come. So hearing you tell me that that made an impact on you yes, means absolutely. it's not only you, it means it's other people who heard that as well. So that's now <laughs> empowering me to want to go further. Um, so thank you for that. Really thank you for that. And yes, t tears are coming down my cheeks as I'm Aww. saying this. <laughs> um, tears of joy uh, because that really, really has touched my heart. Thank you so much. Well, shall we move into the last section of the podcast and have a bit of fun? You know I finish up the podcast with several kind of lighter questions. I want to know your favorite Japanese food. Can you tell me what it is? And do you make it where you are in, a, in the States or do you have something that's more like your mum's home cooking? Tell me. My favorite Japanese food is sushi. I think it's so stereotypical. <laughs> but mm -hmm. moving to the United States and sushi, I, I realized how Japanese people treat fresh raw fish mm. as very, very delicately and how much passion and and efforts into it mm. to make sushi delicious. So being outside of Japan, I found I think the beauty of sushi. Mm. And so yeah, that's my favorite food now. And Every time I go back to Japan, I go to supermarket and get sushi. And yeah. even sushi at supermarket is fantastic. And I really think that's one of the best thing in, in oh, Japan. Yeah, I love that. I'm, <laughs> I've got an invite to go to have sushi very soon too. So I'm looking forward to that. What about a place in Japan that you would recommend people go and visit? Kyoto is my favorite city. So I would highly recommend to go to Kyoto. And if you you don't have time to go to Kyoto, I think I love Meiji Shrine. Mm -hmm. And I love the the power. I love the, the tall trees and I love mm. the the history I feel. Mm. And even in summer it's cool and it's it's just beautiful. And stepping out of Meiji Shrine, you get to go to Harajuku. And it's such a it's such <laughs> a beautiful how to say, like 
I guess, contrast in a way, isn't it? The, from the yes. serenity of Meiji Shrine across the road from bustling Harajuku. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's a, it's a very f interesting contrast. Yes. You can walk five minutes and here you go. You know, you can be <laughs> a center of culture, yeah. like a Japanese pop culture. And then exactly. you can keep walking and go to beautiful Aoyama Street and I love I love that area so I want encourage going to Meiji Shrine and then Harajuku and Aoyama. Perfect oh my goodness what are you listening to at the moment like your favorite music or podcast not this one something else <laughs> what gets you going on listening or reading or yeah music? I just listen to your podcast and <laughs> I'll yeah I will um keep listening Thank and you. so <laughs> sorry I well, just I'm going to tell you my favorite else. and I know you everyone knows that Jane Nakata produces this podcast and she's going to totally agree with me and I think we need to put a link in the show notes Jane about this particular video that Jane often shares with me uh, before coming on a podcast or when we're feeling a little bit low and we need a bit of a, a vibe and that is Silk Sonic's Love Train and it is with Bruno Mars and we went to the concert um, in Tokyo with a couple of friends Catherine and Jennifer and we went to see Bruno Mars but this particular song and it was at a, uh, a music awards and it really uplifts us so we're going to put that in the show notes to share with others so that you can feel that joy. Uh, as yes, well. I will check that out. All right. Yeah. yeah. And mm, last question. Let me think. Ooh, it's hard to say. Okay. If you could choose an activity to do in your free time, which activity would you choose to do and why? I would go to dinner with my friends. That's my favorite things to do. And that's yeah. the reason why I love this podcast. It feels like going to go out and enjoy conversation with my friends. Wow, that's so good. Um, thank you. I feel really excited about it. I'm glad I asked you that question. Well, Akio, it is the last part of the episode today, and I've so enjoyed our chat. You've made me laugh and cry. Uh, I really appreciate you saying yes to coming on the show. I know it was one of your dreams, but I didn't know that before I asked you. Mm -hmm. It's been such a pleasure to talk uh, for people who want to connect with you. And I know they will be lining up to speak with you after this. How do they do that? Shall they contact you on LinkedIn? I think. <laughs> Absolutely. I welcome everyone who listened to this episode and sent me a connection request. And as I discussed, LinkedIn has become such a great tool, such a great platform for virtual networking. Yeah. So I've loved to connect to all the listeners and I'm looking forward to new connections through this podcast. Yay. Well, we'll put your connection details in the show notes. And uh, we'd also encourage anyone who has listened to this today and loved what they heard. Tell us why. Tell us uh, through writing a review on Apple or on Spotify podcast, write to us an email you can even leave a voice message on the website. There's a place you can click and leave one minute of feedback. We would love to hear what you thought of today. Uh, and you can find out a lot more and hear of all the other episodes as well on the website. But thank you, everybody, for listening. That's all for today. 
Cheers, kampai, and bye for now. Thank you so much for listening today to this episode of Lawyer on Air. I really hope that you were inspired by the story you heard and that you discovered something new about women in the law. Please subscribe to the show so that you don't miss future episodes. And if you can think of even just one person to share this episode with, that would make my day. I invite you to connect with me to talk more. Jump on over to LinkedIn or Instagram where you can find me or send me a message via my website contact page. That's all from me today. I look forward to seeing you right here on the next episode of Lawyer On Air. Cheers, come pie, and bye for now.